at Nigambodh Ghat, who is waiting for death? Why am I so at ease in this place, where death is a detail, not an event? Hephaestus mines the forge. Hear the largeness of wheezing echoes in the electric crematorium. A moment to extinguish bodies, number to distinguish bodies, unencumber their ghosts. One, two, three, four. Sharon opens the door. Look now here, a gulping throat, withholding a withering hope. Is it a dream? Did it implode? That was Medha Singh reading her poem, Another Cremation. You're listening to Poetry Darbar, a podcast where you'll hear the poems, the kavitas, the shairis, and the poets of India. I'm your host, Laksh Tata. Let me tell you a little bit about Medha before I play you her poems and our conversation. Medha Singh is a poet, editor, and translator from Delhi. She has an MA from JNU and Sciences Po, and her maiden book, Acidesis, came out in 2017 through Poetry Vala in Mumbai. Her second book, I Will Bring My Time, Love Letters by S.H. Raza, is available through the Vadera Art Gallery. Her work's been featured from everywhere in, in publications in London to Boston to all over India. She's written for The Hindu, The Wire, Scroll, Rolling Stone, and Youth Kiavas, among others. She's also done a TEDx talk, on effective arguing, which you can find online. Currently, she's a researcher for the Raza Foundation, and she's also working on her third book. Here's Medha reading her poem, The Same Fire, followed by our conversation. The Same Fire Another year passes as you are still in your absence. My grief is the same shape, a blue bottle. Though it's begun to coddle rust, the incense burns. I want to say the world is different as it must be, as I sense you would have liked it to be. Though nothing changes, it is the same horror each day. No good king abjures dominion for truth, for virtue. That's a philosopher's mistake. I want to say things are more alive in their absence. An empty cot is evidence of sleep. A stable without a hall is an incomplete picture, quiet in its pallor. A broken man's empty bed, a house of slow decay, swollen with the unconquerable ardour of violent old regrets. His companions indifferent as a colony of egrets going about their day. Two days ago I met a lady who knew you once. We found each other by the same fire, in the same gilid air on your birthday. A day after the solstice, the moon full enough from the previous night. She raised a query. The air chilly, dropsy with invisible current from another world. Talking to a handsome Irani, she said, I don't like how Omar Khayyam has been translated. The translators have spilled their pithy impulses far into the light of that great poet prophet's inner music, dissolved them in some alien brine. I want to say, and I do, intruding, does poetry not ferment into a unique intoxicant? In each language it is filtered through. Is translation not a kind of transformation, transcreation? I'm doing some translations myself. She asked who, mouthing words to confirm whether it really was you. Though she knew, she knew better, I'm sure. 
I look far too much like you to cause any doubt. I said your name. I said my father. To no one's surprise, she knew you from thirty years ago. A young man in the BBC service in London. And look, thirty years on, we were under the same moon in Delhi's cold, by the same fire in the house of a man who was not there. I told her you were no more. She looked at me a while with the quietest grief climbing out of her eyes. She said, I'm so sorry, and please send me the translations when they will be done. Of course, I conceded, smiling, though I don't know when they will be. Your voice ringing in my ears each time I tried, especially on nights like these. You recite them as I go on. When the day you died and the day you were born are three days apart, the winter has more scorn for one than usual. Christmas and holidays and smiles for others. I hope that I can tell you all this when I'm there. Start all over, as we always did, when a story wasn't told well enough. So, tell me about your first memory of putting words together. I think I've been writing for as long as I can remember. As long as I learned the alphabet, actually. Both my parents uh, were writers, are writers. Well, mm -hmm. my mother is, my father no longer is, uh, is no longer alive. Um, but he was a, a very, uh, very well-known Hindi poet. His name was uh, Pankaj Singh. And my mother is still writing. She's also a well-known Hindi poet. Her name is Savita Singh. So, I come from that kind of uh, background. I have mm -hmm. literary inheritance, so it's, it's only natural that I was taken to that mm. sort of space. The only thing is I write in English because, well, I was born in 92 and India had liberalized and a lot more yeah. people were speaking in English by the time I grew up. But, um, yeah, I was exposed to this space of writing literature quite early on and uh, it also helps that my father was a journalist and my mother's an academic, so books have always been part of my life. My house is basically a library. There was never any hesitation to not express yourself, not want to express yourself creatively this way. This very natural I mean, for you? Yes. I, I don't know, actually. There are a lot of things that I still do not express, and um, I choose them to be that way. I mean... When one is writing, oh, writing, or even if it's pottery or film or whatever one is doing, it's important not just to have a creative impulse, but also a sense of control. Hmm. Right? Right. Um, because then there's, that's the difference between an amateur and a professional. Everything does not need to just come out into the world. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to know why you're writing. Let's talk about the, the same fire. Mm. How did this, what was the, in a way, the backstory of, of, this, of this work? Well, you know, my father died some time ago. And my second book is uh, mostly about dealing with grief. But he wasn't just any man who died. He was a, a well-known communist and he was a well-known poet. And, uh, and he spent quite a lot of time abroad. He was working for the BBC. And a lot of his friends came back to India in the 90s, much like he did. And I found myself at one of these uh, get-togethers and parties. And just, there was this lady who was talking about translation and Omar Khayyam and a bunch of Iranians were there. 
and you know we were exchanging cultural ideas and it just happened so that I, it was the day that my father died that I, I found myself in this place mm-hmm. and uh, in the in the while that in the for the duration of the time that I was there there were so many people who knew him but they didn't exactly know that he had died on that day it was a full moon night uh, you know there was a lot of fire and everything it's basically high emotions mm-hmm. i went home and then i sort of wrote a death anniversary type of thing but this is immediately after you hear the news of uh, that girl asifa being raped by those priests in the temple and a girl in agra was murdered by uh, some guys who were following her and she didn't respond to them and her brother was assaulted and things like that. I mean just a whole bunch of things were going right. on and you're thinking about all right okay there's so much politics around me and there are people sitting here just drinking and enjoying the food etc but I would have if he was around I would have known how to respond to this hmm. politically poetically all together in a sort of cohesive way right but you know as people who engage in creative work these things become very compartmentalized in your head like there's an out, outward kind of ex- there's the exteriority of your life which includes your social life which includes people where politics plays out mm-hmm. and then there's a self cultivation you know uh, where your artistic self resides or selves reside rather and i think what really lack what where we really can see the lack is not being able to integrate the two to uh, to a balanced degree mm-hmm. so it cre- creates extremities inside you and not sure that's a very good thing so i mean i think writing this poem was also an attempt to sort of uh, find a, find a bridge between mm-hmm. these things and not see them as separate things that's it for this episode of poetry darbar That was Poet Meeda saying, "My name is Lakshdatta and thank you for listening to our show. If you like the show, please do subscribe to our it wherever you're listening to us, whether it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Jio Savan Gana, Spotify, whatever app you prefer. Do give us a follow or a subscribe or a heart button. It helps the show naturally find an audience." Before I go, I do want to tell you a little bit about another show that we have coming out very very soon. It's called Natakshala. It is going to be if you understand Hindi, the tagline is Naye Zamane Ke Naye Natak, which is basically a Hindi language audio theater show. Our first play is called Ek Aakhri Raat Meera Ke Saath, which comes out on March 13th. Find that show wherever you're listening to Poetry Darbar, Savan Gana, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Subscribe to be notified. N A T A K S H A L A in one word and our first play comes out March 13th. Thank you for listening to Poetry Darbar. Closing out this episode is Meeda reading another poem and this one's called An Answer. An Answer. There is a new boy in the classroom introduced as Hasan. Children hiss about him in bold suspicion. He is shy but appears aloof. One day his bones turn twenty. The winds are somber, 
they carry his thoughts back home. Grains of dust spiral in the desert wind. The evening dims, the sky a ripe peach, now a violet grape. Upon this thought he returns to quiet. In the moment his silence arrives, there is no time, hence no memory. Neither the wind nor the children care to hiss any more. He always mistook them for desert snakes. <laughs>